Hey everyone, welcome to Recovering You. This is a podcast that will take you through a step-by-step guide of what you can expect when you enter into a world of recovery from addictive and compulsive behaviors. You are here to learn how to change, and we are here to give you the tools to get there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I, actually, I don't know. I don't know how many ladies I have listening to this podcast. I know there's a few. At least, at least my mother is listening, and I'm pretty sure my sister-in-law and my wife listen. So on that note, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Recovering You, a podcast that, uh, as you heard in the intro, is here to help answer those questions and help you with your recovery, whether you are the one that has struggled with addiction or whether you have loved someone who has struggled with addiction. This podcast is for you. And today we have a very special, amazing guest. Um, Before I introduce him and let him introduce himself, my little background story here is, um, I don't know if you remember this, Cabe. I think you do because we've, we've texted about it. But one of the very first open, vulnerable, honest conversations I ever had where I told one of my friends, hey, I really struggle with pornography. And it, it's, it's been something that has actually haunted my life since I was a little kid. And it's been you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that was actually with you while we were on tour through going through Canada. And you and I ended up staying in the same room at a member's house. And we stayed up to like two or three in the morning, having this amazingly deep conversation and that has actually never left me and I have always remembered that as like being vulnerable and talking to someone and being honest is really cool and feels really good to do and so to that I say thank you for being that guy that at a random moment on a dance tour across Canada I could find someone and experience my my first experience of vulnerability through friendship in addiction yeah I think I think that was probably my first conversation as well that I, that I can think of anyway, that I was really open with someone uh, and with a friend, like you said, and was willing to just like talk about it and kind of lay my cards on the table. It's crazy to think about that was, I would have been 17, I th- well, 18. I think I would have just turned 18 at the time. So that's been like almost 10 years now. That's pretty crazy. That, that is to think crazy. about. And, and to think that as an 18 year old, you were having these awesome conversations with someone. See, I, I was 23 at the time. So I was way behind on, <laughs> well, <laughs> on, I, on my getting my crap together. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, uh, obviously I still had a long ways to come from there, but you're right. That was kind of, that was an early step for both of us. So that's kind of, it's kind of a cool thing we got to share together. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Cabe, go ahead and, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background, and just you know give us a glimpse through the window into who the amazing guy that you are really is <laughs> oh you're so nice um <laughs> so uh i i uh, grew up in idaho uh, like you <laughs> so go yeah. idaho spots for life yeah <laughs> uh yeah i grew up in in idaho i'm a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints uh so uh, i went to byu idaho as you mentioned and then uh, served my mission in Peru for the church and came back, moved down to Utah and studied neuroscience at uh, Brigham Young University. And then I'm now uh, at medical school at VCOM, Louisiana in Louisiana, obviously. And uh, yeah, I'm a, 
I'm a second year medical student. So it's kind of terrifying to think that in two years, I'm supposed to be able to like actually be a doctor. That's a little terrifying. <laughs> Dude, I'm so excited uh, for you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I've been I've been watching your journey on like Facebook and stuff as, you, as you've posted throughout the years. And multiple times I just sit there and I'm like, oh my, my gosh, this guy is just like, he's on fire. <laughs> like he's, he's so successful. He's doing everything. Like, man, I, I always knew Cave was going to be the guy that made it, you know, that he was going to be the one oh, that please. just like <laughs> stepped, stepped onto the, into the beacon of light. And we were all going to be like, oh yeah, yeah. We always knew oh, Cave man. had it. I mean, not only with your singing voice, your instrument capabilities, and that big freaking smart brain of yours in your head, <laughs> you, you're, uh, and that handsome face on top of your shoulders, you're, you just, you're the total package, man. And I, I've, uh, I've always admired you for not only, okay, but here, and here's why I say all this stuff, all these compliments, because I, I know you're sitting there shaking your head like, dude, you're, you're going too far. But here's what's so cool about Cave. With all this stuff, because he is a good looking dude. He is a smart dude. He is an extremely talented guy. I mean, vocal point, the bass on vocal point, dude, you, you were like just so much stuff going for you. And yet all the while you maintained humility and kindness and generosity, and you never lost that sense of being a genuine and awesome human being. And so that is why I am most in awe of you. It's not because of all your talents and your successes. It's because of who you've maintained throughout all this success that you've had in your life. And dude, I just, I applaud you for that. Oh, thanks Cameron. That means a lot. I think, uh, I mean, I've had a lot of help, you know, I, it's, you can never say that this is all just you. And of course it's easy from the outside looking in to be like, Oh, <laughs> he's, he's just, he's had it all. And he is like, he's just always been so positive and, and so kind. And it's like, well, yeah, you don't, you haven't seen me on my dark days though. You know what I mean? The, the, the Instagram lifestyle that we all see. With them, with all exactly. Them. Yeah, exactly. You see the, you see the pictures I post to my kids and yeah. stuff like that. That's, that's about all I post nowadays, honestly. But so, you know, it's always easy from the outside looking in to think, but I mean, we all have our struggles, obviously, you know, but thank you. I really appreciate that. And I feel like I've had, I have a similar feeling towards you and watching, how your life has, I mean, honestly, you in my mind are kind of a superstar of recovery, legit. <laughs> like I remember, Thanks, man. I remember I probably, I mean, obviously we had had that conversation, but then I didn't know much about your story until probably you kind of were more open about it on social media. And then through that, I started listening to the eternal warriors podcast for a little while and heard more of your story on there. And I just always was blown away and just, even thinking back to that first conversation we had, I remember walking away thinking Cameron is such a stand-up good dude who like wants to do what's right and wants to live a righteous life. And he struggles with this. And, just and it was kind of how. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, I, I didn't know that at that point, you know, but, but for me, it was just like, I'm not alone and not like, not only am I not alone, but the other people that struggle with this are good people who like, are trying to live righteously. And that, that was pretty huge for me, honestly. And you've kind of been, like I said, for me, that recovery superstar of seeing everything that you've gone through and you're still fighting the fight, you know, and that's, that's always been really meaningful for me. So I thank you for that. Dude, what a compliment. Thanks, man. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. What, what a way to, what this. a way to start off our show, man. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. that's actually what we're going to do this whole episode is we're just going to go back and forth complimenting <laughs> each other. <laughs> that's perfect. So, so let's talk about your muscles for a second. Cause they're, <laughs> let's just Don't, keep complimenting. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's nothing to talk about there. Sorry. 
Oh man. Oh, awesome. awesome. Well, okay. So you, you, you talked about how we had that conversation and things got real vulnerable and we, we both kind of opened up to each other and talked about the problems we were having and stuff. And uh, you mentioned that I, I've kind of, uh, adopted this lifestyle of recovery and been in this program for multiple years and that's something that you've noticed so how it how have uh if you don't mind me asking how have you been able to because i you and i haven't talked a lot we we aren't like super close friends you're a really busy guy and you live you know half half the united states away from me so it's not like we're (laughs) hanging out every weekend and going out and having these conversations so um, tell me a little bit about how you've been able to maintain your own recovery and kind of live a lifestyle and get away from frequent relapses and honestly, like just kind of living in a life of addiction. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think I was first, I was probably first exposed when I was probably 10 or 11 it was probably the first time that I remember being like exposed to pornography. And obviously I don't think I developed a problem then, but I mean, I've had an on and off problem for probably over, gosh, probably over 16 years, you know, which is kind of crazy to think about. But, and, and so there have been many like uphill battles, downhill battles, good days, bad days. But I, uh, I remember, I think we all kind of had this idea. Well, there's two ideas that I think a lot of us have, especially as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We have this idea that uh, I'll go on a mission and when I'm serving the Lord every day for two years, that will change me and I'll come back and I won't have this problem anymore, or I'll be better equipped <laughs> to handle it. You know, I know I can see you laughing because you know, I'm laughing because <laughs> it's so true. Like I know uh, when I come off my mission, I'm going to be a changed man. <laughs> yep. Totally. And, and like, and I think, you know, that, that idea is based in some reality. Cause it's like, well, yeah, two years where I'm spending every day focused on spiritual things. I did learn some really valuable lessons that have helped me in recovery, but it wasn't enough you know? Right. And then the second idea that I think a lot of us have is, well, once I get married, like once I get married, then, (laughs) then, you know, I, why would it still be a problem once I'm married? Uh, Because, you know, we're taught not to have sexual relations before marriage. So we kind of have this in our mind, like, well, once I'm married, and that is now okay, then this problem will go away, and I will no longer struggle, you know, because that'll be accessible. I'll I'll be able exactly, I'll be able to have intimacy whenever i want and yeah right yeah which is both those fallacies that you just pointed out just make me chuckle so hard because i i had the exact same dialogue in my head and the one thing i do want to point out about the whole fallacy of the missionary cure um i think that's a good name for that fallacy is totally um it does teach you because now now because i i don't want to discount the value that you get out of serving a mission serving a mission definitely teaches you not only how to kind of take care of yourself and find your own way to connect with heavenly father but it it teaches you um how to problem solve your spiritual battles how to and and you do this not by not by necessarily solving your own spiritual battles on your mission but by helping others solve theirs and by being kind of that resource of them to help figure their crap out, it's after your mission that you're able to look back on those experiences and be like, I remember this investigator or this contact that I made out on the street that talked about this thing with me, that I was inspired to say this to them. And why am I not listening to my own advice? And so it's, it has this awesome value. However, like you said, it is not a cure-all and you do not come home 
a celestialized individual that's free of temptation for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point that you're right. We learn how to fight our spiritual battles and I can definitely going along with that line of thought. I, it was my mission where I learned to really listen to the spirit, you know, uh, I, I had felt the spirit before then for sure. And I had felt God speak to me through his spirit, but it was not until my mission that I really started to analyze that, you know, and say like, okay, what does it feel like? What does it sound like when the spirit speaks to me? How do I know that the spirit is speaking to me? And, and that's something that I'm still, it's a muscle I'm still developing, you know, but, but my mission was when I really started to learn that. So I think that's a really excellent point. Yeah. Okay. So um, now have, have you been a part of like any sort of program that has been beneficial to you? So I have gone to meetings for, uh, our church has a 12 step program, okay, addiction yeah. recovery program, the ARP. Yeah. And, uh, I've gone to meetings for that, I guess, like in a way, I guess I was part of that program, but that's not like a, like you don't sign up and like register for it. It's not like a, a program right. per se, but it is a program that I attended meetings regularly and worked through the manual, you know, and uh, actually still pretty frequently, I go back and work through that manual uh, multiple times. Okay. Um, so in that sense, yes, I, I have not uh, been involved with any other programs. I actually have not really had any extensive involvement with a therapist. I've met with a therapist a couple different times okay. uh, for kind of different things here and there, but yeah, I haven't really that hasn't been a part of my, I guess, personal recovery plan, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying that it would not help me because it probably would, <laughs> but it just up till now, that has not really been something that has been part of my plan, I guess, if that makes sense. And that's, and that's totally fine. You know, we, we aren't here to say every, everyone needs a therapist. Otherwise yeah. you're just going to fall apart. Um, right. Which I'm sure any, uh, I'm sure if like Cody Haas is listening right now, he's like, no, say that, say that <laughs> everyone like, needs on. a therapist, Cameron, come on. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, like you, you said, you know, you really can, um, however much you want to put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Definitely. Um, and, and so, yeah, if you sign up for a program that you're having to pay for and you have that extra motivation and you have a therapist on the side, like this is the extent I went to, I was, I was in a program paying every single week and you only graduate if you go a certain amount of time. Um, but you know, it's all based on like, you, you don't want to lie about this because then you're not making any progress. So it took me over two years of paying for this program, of yeah. paying for every single week. And so that was a motivating factor. And then on uh, every week and then eventually every other week, and then once a month and things just kind of faded out as I got better and better over the, over a two year period, I did have uh, individual therapy in addition to those group sessions. And so but my, my case was a very extreme case and it, it called for that kind of an intervention. It called for a, you know, almost to the point of like, all right, lock him in a room, put a straight jacket on him and just hit him with the Bible over the head as many times <laughs> until, until he has absorbed the truth. <laughs> Beat um, him with but, the word of God. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But so if, uh, if programs and stuff weren't really what, what were uh, your, your main, like your foundation of recovery and kind of stability through this addiction, what was your secret per se, your personal secret? Cause we're not saying no. this is going to work for everyone, but what did it for you? 
Definitely. Yeah. And that's the, that's the whole point, right? Is that there are things that across the board apply to everyone who struggles with a sexual addiction. I feel pretty comfortable saying that, Yeah, but there are many things that will be individualized. And, uh, and I don't mean to discount really, I feel like my foundation came from the 12 step program, uh, with our church. Um, I feel like that was very instrumental. It taught me a lot of the principles in recovery that I needed to understand, but what what I kept missing was uh, this idea. It's it's this idea of daily accountability that they talk about in in twelve step programs. Yeah. Um, because I what I found happened with me, and I'm sure other people can relate to this, is I my periods of sobriety got progressively longer. So when I first got involved with the program with the twelve step program, I could go a few weeks maybe, or, you know, maybe a few months. And then as I got stronger in my recovery and my sobriety, I would go maybe six months and up to the point where I went, uh, up to a year without having any, uh, real relapse, you know, with a capital R, I should say relapse with a capital R (laughs) because sometimes, sometimes whenever I do any kind of like mind numbing thing, I'm like, is that, that's kind of almost a relapse, you know, like I'm mindlessly scrolling through Facebook. I'm like, that's almost like a, relapse with a right with a little r you know right yeah yeah and and just just a little segue on on that 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 is what we would consider um a lost battle in the metamoroni program that yeah. you you are still compromising a value that you didn't want to do like i don't want to numb out and just dead scroll on my phone and totally basically lose my inhibitions because that is triggering that same chemical spill that we've talked about in the past to have you feel that that rush of dopamine of how many notifications do I have? How much attention am I getting? And that numbs you out. And that does count as a lost battle. And even though it's not something you would reset your numbers over, it's something that you evaluate, you think through and you think, okay, how am I going to prevent this from happening? Because that is one step before an actual, a, a capital R relapse, as you would say. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's awesome that you noted that and that you pointed that out. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, that's it. I think that's it really. It's almost like, that's like training, you know, like, like when you, when you can handle those, like I said, little, uh, lowercase R relapses, when you can look at those and evaluate those, then that's, that's just like training. I feel like for, you know, if the big R relapses do come, but, um, so anyway, like I said, I'd get progressively longer and, and, uh, my wife has always been aware of my struggles. Uh, just, I, I need to throw that out there. She's, she's, she was aware before we were married when we were dating and, and I've always been pretty open with her about that. Um, and so about a year and a half ago was the last time I had a capital R relapse. And at that moment, I kind of just realized that this is not working. Like this is not the way I want to live my life. I don't want to just keep going every year or every six months and just kind of like white knuckle it. And then uh, something comes along and smacks you in the face and catches you off guard and you're back. You feel like you're back at square one. You're not, but that's how it feels, you know? Oh yeah. And, and so I realized that something had to change. And I feel like this is the point in my life where I realized that what I had experienced up until this point was sobriety, but not really recovery in the way that it should be experienced. And so I actually, I just prayed to, God. And I just asked him like, what, what do I need to do? What can I do differently? There will be something like tangible that I can actually do to prevent this from happening. And 
the feeling I got, it was something so small and so simple, but the feeling I got was you need to, uh, study this every day, study something, whether it's studying like sexual addiction specifically or addiction in general or recovery, you need to do something. You need to study something in that regard every day and physically write something down about that. And I, I know from past episodes that you have mentioned that's part of the daily goals and like the men of Moroni program and some of those other programs, that's a very important aspect is like the daily writing, writing things down. And so it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool that I stumbled across that, you know, in, in a different way, but it's still the same principle. You, know? you didn't even need a program, dude. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> you didn't I don't know to if spend all that money to go find. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess the point I'm really getting at is like God was able to teach me that in a different yeah. way, you know. Yeah. And for me, it, it was very similar to uh, doing daily scripture study, which we talk a lot about in our church. We talk a lot about, you know, you should be studying the scriptures and praying every day. And. I'm at the point in my life where I've developed that habit pretty, pretty securely. I don't remember the last time that I uh, skipped a day of reading my scriptures, you know, or praying uh, because it's something that if I'm getting into bed at night before I have read my scriptures and then I remember that I haven't read my scriptures yet, I can't go to sleep. I will get out of bed and I will go and study my scriptures, you know? And, and so then I kind of realized as I was praying about this and trying to figure out what to do, I realized why could I not also do that with recovery study? That's what I, I always call it my recovery study, my personal recovery study, because yeah. that's really what it is. And, and so I had that thought of like, I'm going to, I'm going to, in my mind, make this something that if I do not do it, my day is not complete. Like I don't, in a way, I don't have the right to go to sleep until I have done these things. And now for me, that's, uh, saying my prayers, reading my scriptures and doing this personal recovery study. And so that has looked different over the last, like I said, I think it's been, well, yesterday was day like 625 of doing that consistently. And, um, dude, that's, I know it's pretty wild. That's some heavy numbers right there, man. It's, it's weird to think about. And like I said, that doesn't, that doesn't count. Uh, like we talked about lost battles in the sense of, mindlessly scrolling and and things right. like that where i'm where i'm doing other mind-numbing things but but that's 625 days that i have consistently written something down in my recovery study journal and i don't say that to pat myself on the back because i hate journaling let me tell you i am so bad at journaling <laughs> like as far as just like at the end of the day being like oh time to write in my journal and sum up the day and and for future posterity's sake, it's really hard for me. I, I'm not saying I don't see the value in it because I think it is a really valuable thing, but it's so hard for me. And so, so the reason I bring that up and throw that number out there is to show that like, this is not something that I am just good at and something that is like one of my personal strengths. It's something that can be developed that I think anyone can develop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think you are the only person in history who has said uh, that, that recovery is hard. And that <laughs> I think you're probably right. You know, I'm a winner. It's easy for the rest of us, man. Like <laughs> piece of but, cake. But 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 on a on a serious note, I, I love the fact that you've pointed out like that this is something that you really don't even like doing. Like like it's you see the value in it, but it is a struggle for you. And I, I dude, with journaling, I feel the same way. I struggle so <laughs> bad with journaling. Uh, my numbers are definitely not up where yours are. And that's, that's like my, my current struggle in life is those daily goals. And I, I, I love that you, uh, you brought in that, that word, that, that vigilance, 
that just staying with it of, because I mean, that, that's what you have to do. Basically form these habits that you cannot rest without fulfilling those promises to yourself and to your heavenly yeah. father. Um, so there, there's an aspect of this though that I, I would love for you to dive into a little bit and, and tell me a little bit more about, which is, okay. So through all this, I mean, you've had amazing numbers. You've had only one major relapse in, in the past year and a half or so, two years. And at, at any point, did, did you start to kind of feel like, you know what? I got this. Like I, I'm on easy street. I can just put it on cruise control, put, put my Tesla on self-drive mode, lay back and just <laughs> let things coast. Did, did, did that mentality ever enter into um, your recovery process? Yeah. Oh yeah. Most definitely. Uh, real quick, before I touch on that, I just wanted to oh, yeah. say, I know, uh, I guess what I really want to say is it's, it's not really about the numbers, right? Like you're right that I have, like I, I, it, it gives me a sense of pride, which is bad in the sense that like, oh, I've gone 625 days writing down something every day. That's awesome. You know? And like, I kind of pat myself on the back, but it's never about the numbers. And you kind of taught me that in a little bit, in, in a sense, when you started your day one uh, kind of brand, you know, and, and through that, yeah, repping the shirt. I love always, it. I'm one, always repping baby. a day one shirt, man. Anyone <laughs> who like, knows me knows like, oh, Cameron's going to be wearing a day one shirt. Day one. But anyway, sorry, sorry, to, sorry to divert the conversation there. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. I love it. And uh, I, I, when you introduced me to that brand, I, it really made me think more about like, all right, I, I need to think of every day as day one. And that's where that was kind of the other side of like, yeah, writing something down every day. That's fine. That's a good goal. And, and my, my thought process with that was if I do this every day, then I'm doing something every day that keeps this fight at the forefront of my mind. Because uh, going back to your previous question about if I've ever had those streaks of feeling like, Oh yeah, I'm chilling, baby. This is easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those come. And that was, I realized that was exactly my problem before and why I kept having, you know, these six months, uh, a relapse every six months or every year. And it was because I would have a relapse and I'd feel the guilt from that. And I'd realize, all right, I need to, I need to kind of get my crap together. And, and I would for, you know, maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a few months that I would be, I'd jump back into the 12 step manual and I'd, uh, have an accountability partner for, uh, that I'd talk to every week or, you know, even just a text every night or something like that. Or I'd, I'd set up a meeting with my Bishop for the next three months, something like that, you know? And, and then I would get to that point where I think, all right, I, I feel pretty comfortable and I feel confident. And a lot of times that, that was not a conscious decision. You know, I'm not sitting there and being like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing fine now. I'm going to stop everything I'm doing that could help me prevent a relapse. Like, obviously it's not usually a conscious decision, but you, you do kind of build that confidence and that feeling of like being comfortable where you're at. I would get to those points where I would feel comfortable because uh, I had had many days of sobriety. And when that would happen, then those habits just kind of start to follow it. You know, you have one day where you're really tired. And so you decide, I don't, I'm just going to read something out of my scriptures real quick. And I'm going to go to bed and not study something specific to recovery. And, 
over time, you lose those habits, right? You lose those safeguards that you had in place because you feel confident and you feel comfortable. And so when I prayed to the Lord this last time, when I had that last relapse and asked him, that was the feeling I got was I need to do something that is going to remind myself of this need every day. I can't afford to, even if it's the best day of my life, like I'm, I went to the temple and I'm riding on a spiritual high. I still can't afford to not do my recovery study because all it takes is a few days where you can really get off track. Um, oh, what, what I was I just say, uh, you had a comment. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was just going to say was, I, I, I love that you, and you said the word multiple times, you said you got comfortable and comfortable in the, in a world of recovery and in a world of success is a very dangerous word. Um, you should not be comfortable. I actually, I, I reached out to, uh, we, we have this group chat with the men and Moroni group that we just kind of hold each other accountable. If anyone needs anything, they can reach out to that. And it's kind of like mass texting everyone. And so, awesome. so I, I reached out and I was just like, Hey everyone, I'm at a level one. I'm feeling kind of off. I think it's just because I'm not feeling real certain about where my life is going, what, what purpose I have, whether I'm doing enough, like I'm just feeling really kind of down on myself about if I'm making the difference I want to make, if this is the life that at the end of my life, I want to look back on and say, that was the life God intended for me to live. And so I, I've been having a lot of those thoughts recently. And one of the guys reached out, he, he did the whole affirmation thing and pointed out all the things I am doing. But the thing that stood out to me most was he pointed out, it's a blessing that you are not okay with the life that you're living. And that you desire to live a higher standard, that you desire to do more with your life. Because as soon as we lose that desire, as soon as we say, I don't need to be any better than this, I don't need to do any more than this, then you have actually turned around and gone the other direction. So I took confidence in the fact that I'm not okay with just being on the path that I'm on. There is a better path. There's always a better path. There's always another mountain. There's always more that I can do. And that yep. isn't to say that we can't, and I say this all the time in the podcast, that doesn't mean that we can't turn around and appreciate the journey that we've made because the view can be incredible from where we're at. And you can really appreciate how far you've come. As soon as you've taken a second though, to just kind of appreciate how far you've come, then it's time to evaluate, so what's next? It's not well done, it's what's next. And that is, I think, one of the most important concepts that being in recovery needs to maintain in your brain. Isn't, it isn't, I graduated from my program, I've made it, I'm good. And that is the joke that always comes up in recovery <laughs> when someone's like, hey guys, I vested this week. And everyone goes, all right, you're cured. And you know, everyone kind of laughs because we all understand the fact that just because you graduated the program does not mean, I mean, Satan would love nothing more than for you to go back to zero and zero and have, mm -hmm. have completely reset numbers and have to start the program over again, because that would be disheartening to you. So then, and I talked about this in uh, the Eternal Warriors podcast, that you need to have that finarding line mentality of like, all right, I finished and I'm also starting and yeah. they happen at the exact same moment. There isn't a gap in between the two. It's I crossed the finish line and I've started a whole new race. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so true. And it's such a good mentality to have. It makes me think of, so my Bishop, my current Bishop is an anesthesiologist. And so as a medical student, I've had the opportunity to go and shadow him and 
you know, the joke with anesthesia is it's hours of boredom and then punctuated by moments of sheer terror <laughs> because I, I can attest to that. Yes. I've been around that. Cause as an anesthesiologist, you know, you, you put the patient under and then for the majority of the procedure, you are just monitoring, you know? And so he told me that kind of one of the mottos of anesthesia of anesthesiology is eternal vigilance. And when he told me that, I, I swear those words just like went right to my heart. It, it was like, I heard it and he was talking about something completely different, but I heard it in the context of recovery almost immediately hmm. because that's what we need to have. Like you're saying, you, you can't, you're never there. You can never like, as with an anesthesiologist in a procedure, you can't just put the patient under and then pull out your book and, and pay no attention to what's going on in the room. Right. That would, that would lead to what we call poor healthcare outcomes. Um, (laughs) but, and so that idea just like really stuck with me. And, and if, I think if I could just put like my whole story and the thing that has helped me the most into two words, I think it would be eternal vigilance, you know? I, I love that. Um, I, I'm, I'm even of the firm belief because a lot of people say, well, you've only made it when you've died because <laughs> yeah. then, then it's all over. And I'm like, I don't actually believe that at all. I totally. believe, I believe once we die and when we get to the other side, God looks at you and goes, I know what your strengths are. I know how well you've done. I know how hard you've worked and I know where you can make the greatest difference. Are you ready to go to work? Totally. And it will be almost an immediate turnover of like, now that you're here, are you ready to be put to work? And, you know, th- those people that have that mentality of, I, I want progress. I want to be better. I want to be more Christ-like. I-, I More and more and more. And not in the selfish way of like, I want more money. I want more success. But I, I want to be closer and closer to Heavenly Father, closer and closer to that example that Jesus Christ set in his life that he lived. Then when we get to that finarding line of we've passed from this life and gone beyond, it will be a resounding like, yes, put me to work. I want to do as much good as I can. Yeah. And uh, as you were talking about like the finarding line and uh, how there's always like more to be done and we can do better. It makes me think of uh, Christ. And when he taught and when he came, he said the, the old law is fulfilled in me. Right. And he has like, there are verses and verses in the Bible where he talks about like, this is the old law and here's the new law, you know? Mm-hmm. And and the new law is significantly harder to keep than the old law, like significantly, especially for these people who historically had been living by this law for like hundreds and hundreds of years. And then Christ comes and says, that's great, but here's the new law. Here's the higher law. And as I was studying that, I, I realized, I feel like I learned something about Christ's character. And that is that he does not want us to be comfortable. Christ wants to push us and stretch us. When he gave those new laws, that was a stretch for those people, man. They were like, what do you want me to? So if someone asked me to carry their pack for them for a mile, you want me to take them two miles? Like, what are you? That's a huge stretch for me. And, and like, that is what Christ wants for us. And I think it's a fine line between being comfortable and being stagnant, you know, and that's the, that's the risk we run when we get comfortable in where we're at. And, kind of tying it back into this idea of eternal vigilance. Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole with me a little bit? So, Oh dude, we're, we're <laughs> diving in, we're diving in. Uh, so I, I, I Googled eternal vigilance. Cause I was like, that's that phrase has got to come from somewhere like that. 
someone came up with that phrase at some point. And I found this quote. It's from this Irish lawyer from like, you sometime, can't go wrong some, with the Irish. Hey, that's right. <laughs> I think I've got some Irish blood in me. Um, I think it, this was in like the 1700s or something. His name was John Philport Curran. And he said, the condition upon which God hath given liberty to man is eternal vigilance. So like to me that, again, I don't know what he was talking about. He's a lawyer. So this I'm sure was to apply to something about, you know, property law or something like that, but lawyering, <laughs> lawyering. So and you gotta be careful with those lawyers. You know, can we really trust this quote, but we will, I think, uh, he says again, the condition upon which God hath given liberty to man is eternal vigilance. So to me, kind of breaking that down, what that means is if I am not eternal vigilance, I can lose my liberty. Right. If I am not eternally vigilant, I can lose my liberty. And that's something we talk about in addiction, especially, especially in uh, like the Men of Moroni program and uh, with life changing services, they talk a lot about the chemical scale, you know, and, and you'll hear it uh, in the church. They talk about it and they say that when you're deep in addiction, you lose your agency to a degree, right? You lose your free agency, your ability to really think through and make these decisions. And essentially, I think that that's exactly what this quote is saying. It's saying that if we are not vigilant always, if we are not always vigilant, then we lose that liberty. We lose that freedom to choose. And when I read that quote on there from this Irish lawyer from like 1700s, my mind was blown. I was like, Dude. are you kidding me? That's where this comes from? It's powerful. It's crazy. It's powerful. That is, and that's an, that's an awesome, like, and the fact that your brain took it there and, and ran with it to that degree. Dude such such an awesome point wow yeah it's crazy it's really crazy and uh there was one other thing i wanted to highlight from what you said earlier you were talking about how as we as we reach our finarding line and we're trying to become better and do more and and become more like christ we're not doing it out of selfish reasons it's not because it's not so i can get to a point where i can pat myself on the back and be like i'm so awesome like I am so close to being like Christ, man. I am so awesome. You know what I mean? Like, obviously that does not work. What it comes from is we do it because we know it's what God and Jesus Christ want for us. And that I feel like was another really, really important point in my recovery uh, journey. And I feel like I got that from going through the 12 step program. They talk a lot about that. Like you, these changes you make will not stick if you are just making them for your family or if you're just making them for because you don't want to lose your job or even if you're just doing it because you're i mean we do it for ourselves right but 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 it's not even enough i would say to do it just for yourself you have to do it at least for me in my case i got to the point where i was like i want to do this because this is what god wants for me because i know that god has more in store for me and he has he has in his mind and in his plan the man that he wants me to be. And I cannot be that man if I don't conquer this and figure this out. And, and so I think that that's what it has to come from. It has to come from our relationship with our heavenly father and Jesus Christ and aligning our will for our life with their will for our life. Dude, dude, you're such a beast. <laughs> Like, all right. All right. So th this uh, show is now being turned over to uh, 
Mr. Cabe. And, uh, no, not even. He's, oh he's going to take the podcast from here, guys. <laughs> You're Dude. so funny. Because <laughs> I, even as you say that, I'm like, whatever. I like going, no, preparing but, for this, I was so nervous because but, I was like, you guys, you say things so well and like so succinctly on this podcast that it's like real applicable things. I'm I'm over here philosophizing, but you're you talk about <laughs> like real applications. So you know, what there's I, a place for I, both. What of I do want to point out at the end here, though, is for for any of you out there listening that have either been in recovery or thinking about getting into recovery or are really kind of avoiding recovery, maybe what what I want to point out is at any stage of where you're at, you can be inspired, you can be guided, you can be directed to be on the path that was designed for you. We, we need to not compare where other people are at. We need to not look at their journey and say, you know, their Instagram journey, like what we talked about before <laughs> and say, man, th- this person just has it all figured out. I'll never get there. Cause as soon as you start comparing, you are losing the vision that God has planned for you all along. I mean, really recovery is, and and I love that you pointed this out. Sobriety is not recovery. Recovery is what happens when your mentality changes, when your desires change, when who you are as a body and spirit begins to evolve and change, then you are in a place of recovery. I really appreciate the, uh, the spirit and the message and everything that you brought to our podcast today and that message of eternal vigilance. And I just, I wish you all the best in your journey of uh, becoming, you know, Dr. Dr. Cabe. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to lose your, I don't want to use your, uh, your last name just, just for the sake of uh, anonymity in case. Everyone's, everyone's going to go out and find me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cabe, anesthesia. Found him. <laughs> um, but, you know, just what, what you've done with your life is something that I think we need to take note of. We, we focus so much a lot of times on people's lives, on the mistakes they've made or the hard times they've been through. And that doesn't even necessarily need, mean to, need to be negative things, but we focus so much on the challenges they face and we ignore who they've been able to become through that journey, the kind of person that they are in this moment. I, I've quoted this before, and this is the last little point I'll make in the, the Shakespeare play, as you like it. They, uh, they talk about the brother who tried to assassinate the king, who was also his brother. And these two women come up to him and they say, are you not the man that tried to kill thy brother and take over his throne? And he says, and this, the, the, dude, I'm not a tattoo guy, but if I got a tattoo, I'd probably <laughs> say this right here. <laughs> he says, twas I, but tis not I. And that every time I say that or think of that, and I write it on my mirror all the time too, it gives me chills because it reminds me who I used to be is not who I am and who I am is not who I'm going to be. Yeah. I, I just wanted to say, I think that, that, that idea of twas I, but tis not I, that is the atonement of Jesus Christ. And that is recovery. Mm-hmm. Like if you could sum up yeah. recovery in, in one phrase, that is it. That is who I was. That is not who I am anymore you know, and it's, and it's the atonement. It's the atonement of Jesus Christ that makes that possible, you know? So I love that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Cabe, thank you for joining us. And um, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Remember that you are a good person and you can change the world with something as simple as a smile. We'll see you next week.